Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Happy Friday. This morning, less than 60 days since taking office, President Biden says the country is reaching a major milestone, 100 million vaccine doses and counting. Behind these 100 million shots are millions of lives changed when people receive that dose of hope. And as the vaccination efforts ramp up here in the U.S., the CDC plans to reduce its social distancing guidelines for schools from six feet to three. The vaccine effort across Europe is lagging behind the U.S. and COVID cases in some countries there are now spiking. Some governments are imposing new lockdowns. Here in Illinois, Governor J.B. Pritzker says he's cautiously optimistic for the future and announced a new phase of reopening. Meanwhile, Chicago plans to expand vaccine eligibility to much of the city's residents by the end of the month. Well, joining us now to discuss this and more is Dr. Mia Teramina. She's an infectious disease specialist with the DuPage Medical Group. Hi, Dr. Teramina. Hi, Sasha. Doctor, it's been almost a full year since Governor Pritzker issued the state's first stay-at-home order. What are some of your reflections from this past year? You know, it's it's hard to even find words for this year that we've experienced. It seems so long ago that, you know, that very first uh, kids coming home for two weeks to flatten the curve, turning into more of a lockdown situation uh, to a stretch of time where us as physicians had to completely pivot to a virtual platform to see and interact with our patients that has revolutionized medicine in many ways. Uh, It's actually brought access and expanded access to some of our homebound uh, individuals. And I think that things like that are, are here to stay, Uh, but also, you know, kind of moving slowly back through these phases and seeing us go from, you know, where we were a year ago to vaccinating 100 million people to having, you know, 40 million people in the United States fully vaccinated and with data showing uh, from the MMWR that the vast majority of those uh, individuals completed their vaccine series on time, on the cycle that was supposed to be done. We were very worried about people being lost for that second dose. And fortunately, that's not what we're seeing at all. Um, it just keeps getting better. And I, I really am impressed and privileged to be a part of science uh, in this time. Well, how impressed are you at our mask wearing uh, capabilities? Because looking <sighs> back, the governor said the only thing that he would have done differently was to push mask wearing sooner. Absolutely. You know, I had um, communicated with a large number of individuals on social media in mid-March last year where uh, I was even making the comment that for the most part, leave the masks for the healthcare workers. We had a serious uh, shortage in masks and the idea that we would just be simply walking around everywhere with masks was not something realized the second week of March last year. That being said, we always play Monday morning quarterback. If we could have had strict mask wearing much sooner 
on and leadership from the top down encouraging such, I think that uh, we would have been able to blunt some of the sharpest trends in some of these uh, spikes that we were seeing. So I personally think mask wearing is, is here for some time to come until we achieve herd immunity. And as we talk about these kids getting back to school, I again personally believe that until we are able to vaccinate our children, masks should be a part of our strategy moving forward. Governor Pritzker says he doesn't plan on lifting the statewide mask mandate anytime soon. So right along the lines of what you were saying, because as of now, 17 states currently don't have a statewide mask mandate. When do you think is the right time to move in that direction, doctor? I think we need herd immunity. I, I think we need less than 1% circulating virus in the community. There may be instances where after mask mandates are lifted that a certain location, city, town, uh, entity uh, has to then resume mask wearing for a period of time if there's a spike or a outbreak of infection that occurs because we simply know that mask wearing works. And to be so anxious to remove such a simple mitigation strategy is really not wise at this time. Um, I have a significant amount of family in Michigan. The numbers that are coming out of Michigan in the last week or week and a half are not good. And we need to look at the examples there. Now, Michigan is a state that still has a mask mandate, but we are seeing how these variants can potentially take hold and lead to these mini surges moving forward. And that's why masking is so important. Well, doctor, you are so beloved for this wonderful public service that you are offering us every week. Uh, So beyond folks calling us every Friday to talk with you and ask you questions, they send emails throughout the week. And so I want to share this one from Cindy. She asked a question related to masks. Now, she's fully vaccinated, but her husband and her three young children aren't. What type of risk, if any, would she be taking if she attended an exercise class that's in a closed space with five to six attendees, you know, breathing heavily, Masks are also optional in this class. What do you think? So definitely take it upon yourself to be the one masked in a class like that. I've, I've never been a fan of indoor exercise during this time. And I understand as things open up and as we move towards this bridge phase between phase four and phase five, we are allowing for more indoor exercise spaces. Consider the space, consider the ventilation that's available in the space. Is it something where five to six people in an exercise class is actually full capacity for that room? Or is this a very large gymnasium that normally would handle 50 or 100 people and there's only going to be five or six? All those things need to come into consideration. The good news is, is we know that fully vaccinated people without symptoms are really not major drivers of infection. So the chances of being exposed, having active virus somewhere on your person or even colonized in your nasopharynx to develop the volume of virus needed to transmit to another individual, I think that um, that is an unlikely scenario. Not impossible, but unlikely. The good news is for at least the other adult in the home, uh, we are moving closer and closer to expanding vaccine access to these individuals in the next month. Well, I I had a similar question as well for for my daughter because, as you know, Chicago Park District just opened up the registration for spring classes, and I signed her up for a dance class, but I'm I'm kind of reluctant reluctant to, to send her because of sort of the same question. 
you know, I think that with mask wearing and social distancing, a lot of these dance studios have utilized and leveraged both indoor and outdoor uh, dance spaces. And I think they're doing fairly well. Um, I think it's important, again, to make sure that what you see, the optics of what you see happening in that class are ones that you're comfortable with, that you can see uh, potentially a good amount of distancing, that you can see uh, these kids, um, you know, at maybe a reduced capacity or doing some outdoor stuff. If it's a space that has full capacity and every student is crammed back in the room and there's not masks being worn, I too would have a little bit of reservation there. Yeah. Let's jump to the phones now. Yolanda's waiting in Aurora. Hi, Yolanda. Hello. What's your question Um, for the doctor? Yes, Dr. Termina, can you please tell me what the numeric correlation between the variants and um, the number that follows I don't know what that number is representative of. Like, for example, you might have um, COVID-646 or... Gotcha. Each is, so think of, think of these variant numbers as sort of a last name and a way to kind of further characterize um, each different strain of the virus. There are literally hundreds of variants for coronavirus, and each one of them has like sort of a tail end, uh, an, a last name in order to kind of further characterize and qualify them. Certain variants have had uh, trends where they are emerging as major circulating variants, and that's where we get, for example, the UK variant B117. It's simply a categorization number that was assigned to that particular variant, and it becomes something that we read more about because it is one of the variants that is highly circulating in our, in our community right now. This week, uh, Governor Pritzker announced a new phase of reopening for the state. He calls it a bridge phase between phase four, which we're in now, to phase five, uh, which would mark a full reopening. Can you just tell us more about the bridge phase, doctor, and, and what needs to happen for our state to actually get there? So we know that full re- phase five is full reopening, sort of business as usual, again, with a little asterisk that we will likely still be wearing masks, but no longer having capacity limitations for indoor or outdoor events, activities, restaurants, and things like that. Currently, in most spaces, we're at about a 50% capacity as we moved into phase four. To bridge us to phase five, as we are hopefully seeing a surge in increased vaccines over the next four, five, six weeks, we are going to be able to inch that capacity up a little bit more, where it was 50% for a restaurant, maybe it's 60%, where an indoor exercise class may have been able to have a certain number of individuals, we now are able to have maybe 60% of the capacity of that indoor exercise class. And this is encouraging as we move into, again, some of those spring and summer activities, especially for our children, to be able to inch that capacity up just a little bit more, but not necessarily open those floodgates quite yet. Will the Johnson & Johnson vaccine be available soon to speed things along? So uh, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine at present is available. We are trying to get more and more of this vaccine in order to, um, you know, get more vaccine into arms. Being that it's a single-dose vaccine, we're looking at using that more frequently in a lot of the community uh, and county sites as opposed to something done in more private entities in the commercial pharmacies. But, hey, we'll take all we can get with that vaccine and all the others. Let's take a quick call here from Leah in Logan Square. Hi, Leah. What's your question for the doctor? So I was supposed to get married last July, and we postponed it to the end of May for this year. And it's supposed to be all outdoors, um, the whole thing. But we're still wondering what's safe, um, what do we think will be safe in terms of numbers by the end of May? 
So we're looking at, uh, with this expanded phase four and this bridge phase, um, you know, having an outdoor event with around 100 guests is probably going to be reasonable. And, you know, every month is, is almost an eternity when it comes to COVID data and COVID numbers. So it's difficult to say definitively that, yes, it's it's going to be full on, let's go, uh, 100 people at a wedding is going to be just fine in May. All signs are pointing in that direction, but would I have any gathering uh, with a massive, massive quantities without having adequate distancing, even in an outdoor space at the end of May? I think it's a little bit soon, um, but again, I think that the sweet spot is going to be right around that that 100 guests in an outdoor setting, which should be reasonable. Uh, keep the masks going, keep the hand sanitizer available, and uh, you know those, those elbow greetings as opposed to uh, close hugs and close proximity to everybody is still going to be reasonable in May. Katie is waiting in Rogers Park. Hi, Katie. What's your question? Hi. My question is um, about whether or not we should get uh, vaccinated if we're eligible, if we're not high risk. So I'm going to be eligible to get vaccinated in phase 1C, but considering that the vaccine supply is so low, I'm wondering if I should hold off and wait till higher risk individuals are vaccinated before I make an appointment. Good question, Katie. Phase 1C starts very soon, March 29th. What do you say, Doctor? Yeah, Katie, that's a great question, and I, I truly appreciate the altruistic sentiment of it. The reality is, is every vaccine helps. There is no one not deserving a vaccine, and if it's your turn, by all means, get vaccinated. Uh, we do have a critical issue with trying to reach our most vulnerable seniors, and even folks that uh, perhaps are in more remote areas of the state or the city, uh, and that is something that is a process that is ongoing, but your vaccine is, prov- is protecting others as well. Your chance of, of getting active COVID and having your strain of virus mutate and become one of the the next uh, variants that circulates in the community is protected by you getting vaccinated. So uh, everyone, when it's your turn, even if you are young and healthy, if it's otherwise your turn, please uh, get your vaccine when you're able to do so. Doctor, remind us who's included in phase 1C? So phase 1C, which originally did include those between 16 and 64 with certain underlying health issues that ultimately had moved up to this 1B plus category. So all of those folks will be included in addition to the fact that we will now open up to additional sort of essential workers, folks in the legal system, folks uh, working in restaurants, which arguably should have absolutely been vaccinated even sooner, um, and other uh, you know retail and, and uh, media. Uh, those individuals will all now be eligible eligible in 1C. There's going to be a very short window because we now have that anticipation that the entire state will be eligible for vaccine as of April 12th. So it's just hopefully an opportunity to uh, jump the step a little bit and get some of these folks in 1C vaccinated as we are able to do so. It's no secret, unfortunately, that we still have a significant number of people in 1B and 1B plus that have not been able to get to vaccine just yet. Right. Let's hear now from Irene in Northbrook. Hi, Irene. Welcome to Reset. Hi. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Uh, we're planning a drive-by birthday party for my father-in-law, and um, we just want to make sure we keep him safe. He'll be masked. He said he has had part one, shot one, of the uh, Moderna vaccine, and I know that he may want to get closer than six feet from the curb to see or hear folks. There won't be too many cars, maybe... Mm-hmm you know, six, seven. So just want your take on, you know, how safe is it for him? And I, Irene, I think road. you cut out a little bit. Were you telling us his age? How old is your father-in-law? 92. Okay. 
and uh, we just want to keep him safe in case he wants to inch up a little closer, maybe three feet from the car. He will be masked. He has had his first shot. It'll be about two weeks okay. um, at the time of the drive-by party. What do you say, Doctor? Well, happy birthday to your father-in-law, and I'm so glad that he was able to get his first dose and will be able to finish out his series. He should be masked the entire time, and uh, guests as well should be masked uh, as well. Um, you know, and this is even though we have the data that a fully masked individual who's a guest driving through is going to present very low risk to your father-in-law if they approach him. Let's just have everyone masked out of an abundance of caution. Remember, a high-risk uh, uh, encounter is something that's less than six feet for greater than 15 minutes. So, as long as it's a brief hello approaching the car without any close physical interaction, um, you know, uh, hugs or kisses or anything like that, he should absolutely be able to approach the cars a little closer, say hello, and, and keep that uh, interaction very brief. If people want to visit longer, set up some chairs six feet apart, and uh, hopefully everyone can, can interact and, and uh, relay their, their congratulations to him. Let's jump back to vaccines for a second, Doctor. This week, the first children were vaccinated for a Moderna vaccine trial. What do we know about this trial? So, yeah, we've got kids being vaccinated with both Moderna and the Pfizer trial. And these are babies, babies as well. So six months all the way up to 12 years. Yeah. We've got vaccines in the arms of, of thousands of kids uh, between the ages of 12 and 16. And we will look forward to getting some data on those individuals, uh, hopefully by uh, end of summer into the fall. I would love to be able to see 12 to 16 year olds join 16 and up and being able to get vaccinated before the 2021 school year. So time will tell. The time timeline on these littlest ones is going to be well into the fall and probably winter uh, 2022 uh, before we're able to get data and potentially approval. This is how vaccines go. We have to check safety and efficacy, then we have to release them to adults, and then we move on to children. And that's kind of how vaccines have gone since the beginning of time. Uh, so we can settle in on a, on a dose and efficacy and uh, see how these kids uh, do with the vaccines. All signs are pointing towards uh, them uh, doing very well, and we will very much look forward to that data. Yeah, I know a lot of parents are looking forward to that too. Uh, you know, being able to get their kids vaccinated before, you know, school starts again in the in the fall, for instance. Absolutely. Let's hear now from Marla in Ukrainian Village. Hi Marla. Welcome to Reset. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Uh, my question for the doctor is that I'm 76 years old and I am planning to fly to California on April 29th uh, to see my family for the first time in a year and a half. Um, and I have COPD. I've been fully vaccinated, so I'm questioning the safety of this. I want to take the plunge, but <laughs> it's kind of daunting, especially having a mask on for about seven hours. <laughs> Certainly, for sure. Um, I'm very happy to hear that you have been fully vaccinated. And as a reminder for our listeners, fully vaccinated is completing your vaccine series, either two shots or a single shot Johnson & Johnson, plus two weeks. So making sure that we're at least two weeks beyond our completed vaccine series before we consider some of these travel plans. Um, I think that that's the uh, safest we can be, is, is adhering to the mask wearing and social distancing. Um, yes, it's not going to be comfortable on a flight uh, for that long, but the fact that 
that you are vaccinated makes it exceptionally uh, rare that you would get exposed to and develop symptoms from uh, active COVID infection, which is uh, outstanding. That's the exact goal of the vaccines. There has to be an endpoint here. There has to be an opportunity where we are not given a free pass, but you know the floodgates are open just a little bit to allow us to move around this country a bit more after we've been fully vaccinated. So at this point, barring any unexpected uh, huge trends or spikes in variant uh, uh, illnesses, I, I don't see why it would be unreasonable for a fully vaccinated individual to go ahead and fly and see some family. Well, a similar question came in from Lynn in Evergreen Park. She plans on going to Michigan and she's fully vaccinated as well. And she wants to know if it's safe to travel to nearby states. Yeah, I, you know, Michigan, we got to keep our eyes on Michigan. It's not the only state that's seeing an uptick. We have several states that are seeing slight upticks in numbers. We are also having several states that have had that plateau, mm-hmm. which could eventually lead to an uptick as well. Um, you know, the rules still kind of uh, are, are the same. If you're going to be visiting in Michigan and you're fully vaccinated and you're interacting with individuals from one household, we should be in a pretty safe environment. The weather is warming up to the extent we can be outdoors instead of indoors. That'll always be uh, preferred. If the purpose of the travel to Michigan is for a large gathering or a large indoor event, uh, that could potentially be something that needs to be reconsidered for most, maybe not someone who's fully vaccinated, but if you're going to be traveling with others who are not, that's a strong consideration as these uh, numbers trend slightly unfavorably in Michigan right now. Quick question before I move on from vaccines, doctor. There's new data from the, the CDC that shows most people have gotten both doses of the Pfizer or Moderna vaccine right now. Uh, About 9% of people are still waiting for their second dose, and just 3% are overdue for their second dose. Remind us about the recommended uh, interval between the two doses. So the recommended interval for Pfizer is 21 days and for Moderna is 28 days. There are many um, commercial pharmacies that are doing all of them in four weeks. And the reason why, for example, Walgreens has an automatic schedule of 28 days between vaccines is because they simply don't know what their shipment is going to be. So they want to get people vaccinated, but they don't know if they're receiving Pfizer or Moderna. So there's been a lot of questions. Uh, Oh boy, Walgreens scheduled me 28 days later for my second dose. Is that okay? Mm -hmm. And the answer is yes. We can go longer than the recommended interval. And if at all possible, we shouldn't go shorter. Uh, Many people early on were vaccinated several days sooner than the interval. And in all probability, that is just fine. We also know that we can give that second dose up to six weeks later without an issue. But present guidance is if you have someone who is long past that six-week interval, to just go ahead and give the second dose whenever possible and no additional doses should be necessary at this time. Let's jump now to Douglas. He's in Printer Row. Hi, Douglas. What's your question? Hello. Uh, Yes, we've been double masking, paper masks on the bottom and cloth masks with a filter in them on top. Uh, I noticed on the warmer days, 50s and 60s, they're getting really hot to wear. If you're fully vaccinated, do we still need to double mask when we leave our apartment? 
Yeah, you know, at this point, we definitely talked about <clears throat> double masking in the context of uh, individuals not necessarily having full access to vaccine and in the context of these variants uh, sort of circulating in our community. As we are getting more adults fully vaccinated, two doses plus two weeks, uh, or a single dose Johnson & Johnson plus two weeks, uh, I don't personally see an immediate need to be double masked. I think a single mask is, is more than appropriate, especially when coupled with maintaining those social distances, both indoors and outdoors. One mask worn properly should be fine. Let's hear now from Rachel in Evergreen Park. She's got a question about uh, rules for fully vaccinated households. Hi, Rachel. Hi, thanks so much for your time, doctor. Um, my question is regarding the new CDC guidance that you know households can get together, maybe two households that either have been fully vaccinated or one is fully vaccinated and one is not. So that's great news because we have been definitely feeling locked down this last year, but we have children that would be involved in these gatherings and they are obviously not included in the vaccines yet. So I was just curious how to proceed with that guidance with our young kids in mind who you know, want to romp around and play together. Absolutely. Uh, the little kids romping around and playing and certainly not necessarily uh, adhering to social distancing should be masked, I, I think, out of an abundance of caution. If this is more of a you and your spouse and children are visiting the grandparents, per se, there's going to be a lot less romping uh, with uh, other friends and things like that. So the masks can be off and, and the grandparents who are fully vaccinated can interact with little children who have not been vaccinated as their chances of having any meaningful spread to a fully vaccinated grandparent are, are small. But if we have two young families uh, with uh, vaccinated adults and unvaccinated children, uh, the kids should be masked, uh, especially if they're in more than one household uh, running around with each other uh, indoors or outdoors out of an abundance of caution. I just love seeing all these kids uh, getting onto parks and playgrounds. And I think to the extent that we're having crowding at some of these locations, it is reasonable to throw the mask on. We found over time that the kids really don't mind this at all. Doctor, today uh, President Biden is expected to, to meet his goal of administering 100 million vaccine doses. It's day 58 of his administration. What's your reaction to reaching the milestone? I, I had full confidence that we would reach the milestone, especially as we were uh, very much uh, moving past that million doses per day mark. Uh, we need more vaccine. We need more vaccine in arms. And I think the next uh, 40 plus days here uh, could easily bring another 100 million doses uh, given. So I think that there's the possibility that we're going to be at 200 million doses in the next 100 days uh, with, you know, hundreds of millions of people approaching being fully vaccinated, which is just unbelievable. That's yeah. where we need to be. We need we need 220, 230 million people fully vaccinated to really push that needle toward herd immunity. Moving forward, what do you think the Biden administration needs to focus on or, or improve in, in this plan to, you know, get us all vaccinated? We need to continue to uh, get vaccine distributed um, and to have the allocations be be as robust as possible. Again, I, I know there's some concern that's voiced about getting, um, you know, having the people to actually administer the vaccines and quote unquote vaccines just sitting on shelves. I really am not appreciating that. I, I'm seeing that every vaccine that is available is being given very expeditiously. So I think that the focus needs to continue to be on our most vulnerable and those that don't have access to internet to 
uh, to text messages, to updates, uh, people that are homebound. You know, J&J becomes a great vaccine for someone who's homebound so we can bring it into their homes and get these individuals vaccinated. And then we need to move into, you know, our, our homeless and disadvantaged populations as well. We need uh, boots on the ground and mobile units to get vaccine to individuals. Um, so that's something that I really look forward to seeing in the weeks to come as we continue to mobilize efforts beyond those who have more easy access to vaccine and into those who, who don't. Let's hear now from Arlene. She's in Peterson Park. Hi, Arlene. Welcome to Reset. Hi. Thanks for having me. So my question is, what do people do who can't be vaccinated for medical reasons? Um, especially in my case, I, I can't be vaccinated, but I would like to visit my small grandchildren who, of course, are not vaccinated. I live with my husband who is vaccinated, and um, I've been sheltering at home for a year, and I just don't know what to do. I, I really want to see my grandkids naturally, so sure. I'm in a real bind here. No, I feel for you. And the, and the reality is this is why we all need to get vaccinated um, who are able and uh, to get vaccinated so we can protect individuals like you who have a, a medical reason why they cannot uh, receive these vaccines. So uh, I, I don't want to keep you from your grandkids forever. It sounds like you've been doing a great job of sheltering in place and not going and gathering in crowds and being in higher risk uh, locations like uh, indoor dining or certain uh, places that, that might present a higher risk if you're unvaccinated and out in public. Because of that, I think if you are masked and the grandkids are masked, I, I see no reason why you can't interact and have a visit uh, even indoors. Um, if all the other adults, your, your husband and the parents of your grandchildren are, are fully vaccinated, again, the issue becomes a lot less because we're not seeing a whole lot of meaningful spread from children to adults. Um, so mm -hmm. I, I would think that we're moving closer and closer to even some unmasked encounters moving forward, especially outdoors. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's great. Thanks very much. I appreciate it. Thanks for your call, Arlene. You know, something that gave me uh, some hope here, Doctor, a, a number of COVID-19 long haulers uh, are reporting that they're actually feeling much better after getting the vaccine. What can you tell us about that? I am absolutely encouraging all of my long hauler patients to get vaccinated as soon as they are able to do so. And for those that are very, very anxious to get vaccines, some have even been able to find sort of a leftover vaccine at a commercial pharmacy at the end of the day uh, to get vaccinated ASAP. It is, it's intuitively, I can understand if there is this, you know, low drone of some viral aftermath by getting your body to produce a tremendous number of spike antibodies against coronavirus, we are actually seeing a situation where we have patients that are anecdotally reporting they are feeling so much better. I, 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 I look forward to hearing more and more about this. It doesn't mean that it's a guarantee for every long hauler that just get the vaccine and your symptoms will go away, but we are seeing some positive trends. Um, people with significant, significant long hauler symptoms may not receive uh, as much of this bump uh, and uh, perk in, in the reversal of their symptoms, but those who have just struggled with fatigue and sort of mind day-to-day -day stuff. We are definitely seeing anecdotally, and we need more, more numbers and more studies, yeah. that these individuals getting those vaccines are feeling better. That's Dr. Mia Teramina, infectious disease specialist from the DuPage Medical Group. Dr. Teramina, thanks so much again for this really important public service. Have a great weekend. You too. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.